gentlemen, it's Cape Crisis, the comic book podcast. It's now on its seventy-seventh episode. I'm your host, Henry Gilbert, H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter, and I'm here with the official co-host of this episode, uh, Brett Elston. Hello, B-R-E-L-S-T-O-N, spelled like it sounds on mm-hmm. Twitter. And also here, slowly dying, the uh, hulking corpse of Chris Antista, the ghost with the most. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little out of it. Yeah, what happened to you? Uh, I don't know. You don't remember me like having like excuse myself over the weekend? I thought you were just. Uh, I didn't over. realize what it was now, and it's just it's that escalated like a billion, mm-hmm. literally a billion. I've um, got a, a temperature of what a one point six egg. What a one point six. As I have referenced, oh, we should have that song in this episode. Yeah. There, there's the what? the hit song. 98.6 from the 60s I heard in the on the oldie station as a kid which is like this guy sings hey 98.6 it's good to have in the you morning. back again what? But why are you looking at me like that it's just nice just pathetic no if you have a fever I don't want to get sick why would you assume you get any less sick than, than the proximity you've been to me the last five days because you sit very far from me at work alright anyway I'm just saying that song taught us all what the correct temperature should be, the normal temperature. 98.6 degrees, got it. Though, I've always been 98.8. I am point two higher all the time. In, in the Batman 1966 series is headed to DVD. Oh, that, yes, collection. Yeah. It's the most important comic news there is. Nothing <laughs> else matters. And now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go uh, nurse the fever yep. or starve it. Uh, I think it's feed or starve, not I'm going to rape it. Yeah. That's go. a good exit line. Uh, yeah, you know, why don't I had this on my uh, on my list of news, but um, mm-hmm. as long as Chris brought it up, so yeah, the uh, you know, it had been rumored for like more than a year. You saw all the bags at Comic Con that were about Batman sixty six and all these yeah. pictures of the Adam West show, but it never. Everybody thought, oh, they'll announce the DVD now, and they didn't. And now in January. Conan O'Brien, of all people, wow. announces it with a tweet that said, like, it said, uh, I'm happy that Warner Home Entertainment is going to release the Batman DVD, finally, the Batman series finally this year in a complete set. And then he posts a picture of him in the Batman car. Oh, wow. And so I think he is a big fan boy. Like, he, uh, I can't remember, Brett, if you were on that episode of the Failed Pilots episode of Laser Time. We talk about look well. Which, yeah, because uh, we watched, we did the Seventeenth Precinct, which was. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. So, did you watch Look Well? No, I don't think so. Well, but Look Well, which is so goddamn good, it is one of the funniest things ever. It was a pilot for a comedy show that would star Adam West, that Conan O'Brien executive produced oh, and wrote, and Adam West played a uh, <clears throat> a failed seventies TV show detective. Who in the 90s thought he still could be a detective and was helping the police solve crimes, but was only interfering with them constantly <laughs> and going and like the police were like, no, seriously, get get out of here. Like nobody else was in on the joke. He was he was just a crazy person. It's so good. And this did not get picked up. Nope. Well, yeah, it's too weird. It's too well, too I mean, weird. I don't know. I, I, it, when when did it die? Like well, this is 91. 91 oh. or 92. Oh, it's, well, yeah. Because yeah. that's the kind of show now that would be like... Oh, now, totally. It's every, everything is a niche now, so it's mm-hmm. like, well, of course, that would totally fly. Put it on... Uh, I'm going to throw a dart at the cable box, <laughs> yeah. and it's going to land on Food Network. Sure. 
yeah. why not? Yeah. Station identificators mean almost nothing now. So I know it's the uh, TV is weird. You get a lot of better stuff, but mm, it's like not as healthy as it used to be. It's kind of strange. Mm. But uh, anyway, comic book, other comic book uh, talk. What you been reading? Hey, Spider Man, right? Uh, yeah, I read Spec. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Superior 25. Superior 25. Uh, in one year, they did 25 issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. that did 25 was an extra size. They're not like double size, but a bigger yeah, one. Yeah, it was four ninety nine instead of three ninety nine, which yeah. is getting to be this price for comic books where I'm like, no. no. three ninety nine for 22 pages of stuff, which you're done with in like 10 minutes. It's a lot of money. That's that's already kind of pushing it, and then it's like four ninety nine. Superior's the only one where I'm like, I have to know what happens. Each yeah, week. I will pay that premium. <laughs> Otherwise, I will wait for a collection or a sale. And I mean, this is slightly spoilery for twenty five since we actually did get up, or I read it today, so I could be uh-huh. prepared. Um, so if you don't want to know your Superior Spider, we're not going to spoil the whole story or anything, but. There's been a press release already. Anyway. Yeah, I, well, I mean, the end result we all knew was coming. Mm-hmm. Of like big surprise, Peter Parker is going to come back. Like there should not be a functioning adult that believed that was not going to be the case. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's more like now they start the unraveling of Ox plan. Mm-hmm. It all falls apart starting now. Yeah, it starts. This was the 25 is the issue where it's like okay, it's now uh, the seed of doubt has been planted in in. No one, very few people know it's what's actually happening, but they all know that like something's not right. Yeah. They all like it, mm. the world is in on like that's not this is not how who he normally behaves. Yeah, I like the excuse that like Iron Man had never looked into Superior because he's been so busy this whole time. Yeah, and so because as they identified, I think it was in um, <coughs> as they identified, I think it was in issue seven that. Uh, if the rest of the team looked at his brainwaves, they look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. But he said to himself, like, only Stark and he and Otto on the team could look at the brainwaves and be like, oh, no, there's another person in there. Huh. So he he deleted it, and that's why now Stark is finally back, and he's like, no, I'm as smart as you, or more so, yeah. Spider-Man. And so he's he's going to see through his stuff. And I... I thought it was neat, too, that he, like, I wondered if this was going to happen, that he was going to use the Venom symbiote to go, like, oh, no, I've had, like, Venom influence for a while now, yeah, and, yeah. uh, yeah, I'm fine now. I'm good. Yeah. Spider-Man's good. And then... Yeah. And then they were like, no, you're going down now. Yeah. That's- I was a little hard to find it hard to believe uh, that even superior Venom could... Even for more than five minutes, hold off the Avengers. Yeah, I'm just like where he's like, my power is growing. I'm like, why is it growing? Like, it, like <laughs> Octavius is saying this, and it's like, okay, that's a thing you would say. You would gloat, and you would be mm. like, I'm so powerful. But like, why are you, how are you doing this? Like, Venom is very strong. Yeah, and Venom the symbiote grants a lot of power, but he shouldn't be any stronger than Spider Man was with the symbiote. Yeah, that was... Or Eddie Brock even as Venom. And yeah. It's like, it just didn't make sense that he would punch Thor and Thor would even care. Like, I, I didn't understand how that worked at all. Yeah, there were a couple of times where, like, even even somebody at Venom's power level, or if it's, like, there's, like, some tech enhancement or whatever, that even that kind of power level, throwing Captain America's shield into Thor's throat, yeah. to still make Thor go, like, and then he would smash it with his hammer. Yeah, like, yeah. Thor is supposed to be the be-all, end-all. Yeah. Like, he is their Superman. Yeah. Which makes him kind of unstoppable. Yeah. 
And so it's like, yeah, I don't know. It, it just seemed weird that he was putting up a fight, period. Yeah, um, th- that's what... And, th- and then, like, the, the bit for the episode of how we get to here, like, what was the big revelation in this issue was... I don't know. I'm hoping subsequent issues explain how and why the thing that happened happened. Oh, uh, well, but I mean, I saw this in the in the 2099 storyline. That's like Doc Ock had to. He was told, "No, you got to remember this thing Peter did." But he had switched off those memories because oh, he killed yeah. Peter. So by going back into those memories, it reawakened. I Pete. forgot about that. So yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that was it. Okay, was, right. I totally forgot about that. No, okay, never mind then. But I do think makes... they're going to explain that as it goes. But now that's the thing. Like you know, it, for number twenty five in most series, if it wasn't coming to an end in three months, most series would have been like twenty five is the end of some plot lines, yeah. and it felt like more of an event. But like while Spider Man is like fighting the the Avengers. In pretty much a, a battle that doesn't mean much. Yeah. Then behind, all in the background, there's all these scenes of like the goblins are doing this. There's a lot of goblins. M- Mary Jane is doing this. Like it's all this goblin stuff because Goblin Nation is the real end of Superior. Yeah. And it's this big six parter that's that's going up to it. So oh, okay. Um, but that's so what happens. I keep next. having. I, I'm terrible with names. Period. Really. All right. Uh, so who is Menace now? Menace was uh, Carly Cooper's friend. I can't even remember her name. The one, the friend that she grew up with, who was the woman who got engaged to Harry Osborne and had his son. Oh, so it's the same Menace from a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, but she's transformed so much. I guess they just didn't like her character design, so okay. she's been changed around a lot. Okay, well, as long as it's the same Menace from before, yeah, it's the I, same. I couldn't tell because I the artist changed and. Yeah, it's probably yeah. one of the worst covers I can remember. Is the just pregnant goblin woman? Yeah, amazing crappy cover. It, it, it's yeah. not so much a crappy. It's just like, man, that's <laughs> again the idea that like again like it's a hard line to walk. Where it's like this is for little kids who grew up to be thirty, forty year old men who want to read more Spider Man, but mm. also like, well, I was ten when I got into Spider Man, and yeah. you never know what the first issue some kid's gonna see will be. And if the first issue is that or Spider-Man with his head being torn off in the lizard's jaw, it's kind of like, mm, yeah, like what? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. But it is, um, well, I mean, I think one of my first, the I think the first or second ever cover I bought of Spider-Man, like, I was buying Amazing Spider-Man during the, um, what was it called, Assassination Plot or something? It was a story line of Spider-Man and Silver Sable team up to fight Red Skull. And oh, yeah. one of the covers was a Todd McFarlane one of, like, Windigo with, like, Spider-Man's costume in his claws. So, yeah. like, Spidey isn't even on the cover. And then another was of the uh, one out really close to that was the Red Skull with a Spider-Man web stuff Oh, that's on a creepy face. cover. It's a creepy cover, but it's also one that, like, well, what's a kid supposed to think of? They just <laughs> want Spider-Man. That's true. I guess it's been going on forever. It happens, yeah. But uh, well, because you can't have every cover. It's just sure, Spider Man swinging I, through I the know, city. I know, I know. I don't know what my point really was there, but no, uh, it was a weird cover though. But it, I, I, I keep forgetting. They're like, oh yeah, Harry Osborn not only is alive, but in Europe with a son. Like he has a son, yeah, a second son because he also has Harry or uh, Normie, Normie, Norman Junior, Normie. The uh, well, not Junior, but yeah. his, his first son with Liz. I did, I did like the the line of like. 
uh, Carly Cooper, who is now in the clutches of the Goblin Group as yes. Monster. Yeah, that was a weird twi- uh, turn. And yeah. it's getting a lot, like way too jokery. Like, like some, like that is true. Yeah, I never like the change of her face and like just this whole weird plot. Like, it doesn't seem. It's you're supposed to. We're supposed to think it's Norman, right? Yeah, we're supposed to think that Goblin is and Norman. this just seems too jokery to me. Like this, yeah. this law, this thought out, methodical, like criminally Ugly. insane thing where it's like Norman. I don't feel would use this much. Yeah, like behind, I, I don't know. Maybe well, he would. it was. I guess we're so used to in our lifetimes. Like we've only known Norman after he came back. Like in. In the comics, I feel originally he was like written to be like a a slightly more mob obsessed version of the Joker. Like okay. he was, he was a silly guy who threw instead of Joker gas, he threw razor bats and, yeah, and exploding pumpkins. Right. And I mean, yeah, I guess I'm really. I guess what's in my mind more is the whole Dark Reign era where he was yeah. very very upfront. And well, that's the yeah. In the I was reading the old comics and it was like. It was a good thing they killed Norman when they did because he was just going in and out of these cycles of like, I know who you are, Spider-Man. And then they rid themselves in a corner. So like, oh, no, he got hit on the head. He doesn't remember anything and he doesn't even know he's the goblin. Mm. And then he'd come back out of it and fight Spider-Man and go back and come and go. So it just got to so extreme. They just had to kill him. But then when they brought him back from the point when they brought him back, Norman and the Goblin are one. Like he knows yeah. he's the Goblin, and he likes being the Goblin. Yeah. So he always had the. They brought in this kind of like businessman focus to him all the time. Yeah. That's why this doesn't feel like it's Norman, but Norman has been missing. I guess that's true. All through this superior storyline, yeah. so something else is going on here. I was hoping that twenty five would be the. Um, I did love that the next cover preview image is Hobgoblin and Green Goblin fighting again. That like, that's I love that. Cool. I love a Goblin fight. That should be cool. But I think that yeah, I was hoping the twenty five was going to be the unmasking of that goblin and not, oh yeah, and not the beginning of the the end for Otto. But uh, yeah, I I, it, I guess there's still they got to have some big reveal for for Goblin War. Yeah, whoever and it is. When do you think they will revert to old numbering for this new Amazing Spider Man number one? <laughs> Whenever it gets to eight hundred, like, yeah, that, that's whatever it is. But that's like, I guess now they'd be at seven twenty five. Seven twenty five. Yeah, yeah. they've. We've got a few years. A few yeah. years, yeah. Well, if they do another 25, that's 50, so 750. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, I guess they, they could. They could do 750, honestly, if they want yeah, to. Yeah, that's probably true. But uh, who knows if they want to. But, yeah, I also read... What else did I read here? It was... Uh, yeah, so I read... Uh, speaking of old Batman, they actually uh, put out this book called uh, The Batman TV Stories. This collection, which is uh, so, there's this funny thing with uh, with DC that they never wanted to admit that, or they they had kind of shunned the old Adam West series right. until about a year ago. And one thing they didn't want to admit was they kept saying this was something Chris Sims brought up in Ask Chris, yeah. our new favorite column. Yeah, the, but he mentioned that for the longest time DC was like, well, that well that doesn't reflect Batman at all. That TV show, he's right. not that stupid and campy. Right, but then. This collection proves that they they're oh, I, wrong because these are all these are six different comics that were like these were the these were the scripts they based episodes of the show on these right and they are that silly hmm. so it's fun I I guess just because of Chris Sims thing where he was celebrating Silver Age DC so much I was like I do want to check this out because I I just don't know Silver Age DC at all so 
I, I want to see what was going on with Batman and Superman back when Jack Kirby and Stan Lee were changing comic books forever. Yeah. What was going on when comics were trying to stay exactly the same. Yeah. So I was thinking, uh, is there any... I'm trying to... I don't know. I don't know where I got this thought in my head, but I was trying to think, like, what does... Well, because one thing I really love is when characters who normally don't interact with each other do. Yeah. And you get to see this feel. It's when it's those moments where you feel like you are in a universe, mm-hmm. you're in a different world. Where like, when you see Tony Stark talking to Doctor Strange, and when it's well written, it really does feel like wow, it's this mi- master of the mystic arts talking to this total science driven mm-hmm. futurist, and it's like this is an interesting dynamic, and you feel like these two huge personalities are interacting with each other. So I'm just kind of curious, like, what does like, how does Joker view Superman? Mm. Like, I've he, seen him mess with him a few times. Like, his infatuation is all Batman, but I'm like, yeah. like, Joker never really seems to feel, or he never seems to let on that he's ever really lost or will lose, mm-hmm. or even maybe even perceives it as winning or losing. But here's this flying alien who's seemingly invincible, and like, how does he actually view? I'm just kind of curious. Like, yeah, what, I think actually from the stories I've read, usually the dynamic Dini, uh, but like on the cartoon and in yeah, that, and that's all ones, I can remember is that cartoon. The the, the, the dynamic more was that uh, Joker liked messing with Lex. Like Superman's nothing to him. Like I think Superman is such a straight man, but like also he doesn't take himself as seriously as Batman. Superman would just go like, n- n- number one, J- Joker can basically do nothing to Superman. Yeah. And even if he did, he wouldn't get angry. Like, right. He, he would be like, ah, Joker, <laughs> when are you going to learn? Come on. Right. I guess, yeah, he's too he's too far on the on he, one side of the coin. Yeah, he's not a good audience for the Joker. That's that's what I chalk it up to. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so I, uh, I'm looking forward to reading more of that. And then lastly, I got the newest collection of Mark Wade's Daredevil. And uh, I, need to, I need to catch up on that. It's volume six. It is really good. And also, they're leading up to Daredevil's getting a reboot yeah. soon, too. Everything gets a fucking reboot. Like, 30 issues, nothing gets to be numbered over 35 like, yeah. in, in in any comic. But yeah, anyway. that is weird. Is there even a modern... Because even Venom was getting up there for a minute, and, and now, now, it's, canceled. now it's canceled. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, the re... <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. Anyway, they're going to reboot A lot of coughing it. in the next two VG Empires, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> They're going to reboot it to number one again, but he's moving to San Francisco. I think that's really cool. He was there for a little while in the 80s, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. So that's... Uh, leave it to Mark Wade to reference a comic nobody remembers. And then, like, no, this is a totally character... This makes sense for the character to reboot him and move him to San Francisco. We already did it. Yeah, he did that. And then, uh, like, not long after I moved out here is when the X-Men moved to San Francisco. Ah, uh, yeah. I remember reading a comic where Wolverine was on the BART, and I'm like, I don't know this BART station, and I don't know what this this BART car looks right enough. Like, they definitely looked at some photos. I remember but. when you let me borrow that Immortal Iron Fist, there was a thing where, like, Iron Fist and Wolverine are like, let's meet in secret. And they go to Coit Tower. Oh, yeah. No, that was in the Wolverine book, yeah. Oh, was it yeah, Wolverine? Yeah. They're like, where are we going to meet? Coit Tower. And it's like, that's a tourist attraction. Like, <laughs> no. And yeah. it, it wasn't even a hide in plain sight thing because they're the only people there, and it's like, no, nope, yeah. this is conspicuous. It's a, there's nothing around it yeah. to hide. It's just the it's just the tower. It's a giant tower. It was clearly somebody was just looking through a book of like, well, what are attractions in San Francisco? Yeah. Let's let's find a less famous one. Yeah, Coit Tower. Yeah. That sounds cool. Because you would have been like, go to the wharf, 
and it's so crowded, okay, you hide in plain mm-hmm. sight, got it. Yeah. Uh, or you do an actual secluded thing and really do some on the mm-hmm. DL, like in a basement somewhere in the yeah. mission. Like, yeah, in the basement in the mission. That'd be yeah. good. Uh, but what annoyed me about the collection was that it was... You get five issues. It's a hardcover one, and you get five issues for twenty bucks. That's got to be an. But it's uh, the hardcover must be the combined thickness of the books inside. Practically, kind of, <laughs> yeah. But here's where it's really a ripoff. But I, I get it for other people. But it's three issues of Daredevil, then two issues of the Incredible Hulk, where Dare it was a Daredevil team up, and it was written. Mark Wade writes them both. Yeah. But oh, so this is indestructible. Indestructible Hulk. Sorry. So yeah, it was the concurrent issues of Indestructible Hulk where he kept pass- crossed over with it. But I already bought those in Indestructible Hulk. Like uh, I already own those. So that sucks. I paid twenty bucks for just three issues that I hadn't read before. Like that kind of bugs me. Why don't you just read them on the internet? I want a card copy of them, like with Comicsology. Well, then people couldn't give us any money by buying them through Amazon.com. Well, no, there are certainly books I buy uh, through Amazon and yeah. uh, hardcover things. I don't know. I just, I have all the, I want to at least keep going till they reboot it anyway. And then, like, the, the bridging comics between the last issue and the reboot are only online. So oh, really? maybe that'll get me to go online. Yeah, it's a digital thing. They also announced... A digital Spider-Man weekly that's coming up, or monthly that's coming up soon, Weird. too. Digital only. And you know what they should call it? What? Web of Spider-Man. Web, uh, web only of Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, yeah, so in April, they are going comic book. They announced uh, specifically what's coming out in April for Marvel. And so, last issue of Superior Spider-Man, number 31. It's 64 pages and the end of the Goblin crossover. And then... That same month, at the end of the month, Amazing Spider-Man number one, also 64 pages. Man, I'm not surprised. And Well, they got to explain a lot, set up a new status quo, yeah. and then also kick off a storyline. So that's a, that's, lot, that's a lot to do. And it's meant, uh, theoretically, they imagine that it is going to be read by all the people who are excited for the Spider-Man movie, so a ton of new readers. Expect an Electro story. Electro's in it. Yeah, that's why I was... <laughs> man, you ruined it. I was going to say, like, and who do you think's the first yeah. villain he fights yeah. in it? Uh, big surprise. Yep. A, re, a rebooted Electro. A new and improved Electro. Yeah. So, yep. Look like, does he just look like the ultimate one now? I would bet. Oh, yeah. Did you see uh, this is news? The ultimate universe is getting rebooted again. I saw that. The cataclysm is happening, which should just cancel all of it, but no. But now it is the, like, the most different Ultimates has ever been from... Regular Marvel, like I think they've they've pretty much killed off anyone that even looks like a regular Marvel character, mm-hmm. except for like Kitty Pride. She's still around, but but it's like that's the fun of the Ultimate Universe is like not not inventing new characters, mm-hmm. but changing everything so that you see well what happens if the Punisher yeah. went this path, or what happens if Spider Man did not learn his lesson about responsibility, or and death seems final. And yeah, and and where death is final, and the world is just way less tolerant of the idea of superheroes in general. And when there's a massive crossover event, like half the cast dies. Yeah, and it's like that's that's a fun thing to do. And I would even be. You could even set a precedent where, like, Ultimate just constantly reboots itself every ten years. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, okay, that's kind of cool. Mm. Uh, or even I mean, every five years, whatever. Yeah. Like, it's, that's more interesting than just, oh, it's Peter Parker, but he's 16 again. Yeah, that's dumb. I, they like, got a lot it, of good mileage. Oh, they did. Like, I loved Ultimate Spider-Man, I, like, all the way up through the hundreds. But after a hundred, it really did just feel like, 
I, I don't know. I don't dislike it, but I'm really not feeling it anymore. And Ultimate X Men too. Like after they did Ultimate oh, yeah. after they did Ultimate Apocalypse. Somewhere after that, I was like, "Well, you've ticked all the boxes. I think we've mm-hmm. we've really hit all the villains you were trying to do." And now I just you know I, I don't know. Well, yeah. So, but though surprisingly, well, not surprisingly, Brian Michael Bendis is still going to be writing Ultimate Spider-Man. Like, I think he will never stop. Is like, it still Morales in the new. It is still going to be Morales, yeah. Even in the reboot. Yeah, he will survive, but apparently he's going to be very different. Well, is it the same universe? Or yeah, is it's it... the same universe. <clears throat> Morales is there. It's still got the same kind of backstory, but well, they put all this work into setting up Morales. It would suck to just you know, eh. I don't disagree, but it's also like the ultimate brand is more than that one character, and you should just erase all of it and just think about uh, having not just white people when you reboot it. Like, yeah. that would be a good start. Well, it's nice that at least Spider Man is not white. Like, it is yeah. it is cool just to have some diversity there. Plus, I just, I don't know. I liked the, I read the first trade, I think. Uh, definitely the first one. I don't think I read the second one yet. Mm. But I thought it was great. It's like, yeah. this is the kind of thing Spider Man should be. Kid down on his like not down a on confused his, kid confused kid not down on his luck but like in over his head and then th- it's that fun of those first like hundred amazing Spider Mans where it's like a kid trying to learn what to do with his powers and like mm-hmm. fighting adults and Screwing then realizing getting unmasked all the time yeah and it was like that's fun that's yeah. a cool thing to do yeah, anyway. uh, did you read anything else not or really I read anything? that I read the first new X Factor and I wasn't really taken with it at all is that written by Peter David is that I don't I can't remember I don't okay. think it I don't think it was maybe but okay. it's it's back to you know these people bought this this serval this company bought the rights to the name X Factor from multiple oh, okay. men and now they want to start a team that is uh, uh, it's kind of like how it, it's it sounds like ecstatics a little it's the first corporate superhero team so it, they I were, see so they were like X Factor used to be a government, and uh, some governments have like Alpha Flight, right? And yeah. Captain Britain. Well, we're the, we want to be the first corporation that has a superhero team, and our business is all about helping people. So you will actually just help people, but th- things that help the corporate interest. So it's got uh-huh. Polaris, Quicksilver, Gambit, and I forgot who else is in there. That sounds like a cool team. Uh, maybe uh, the first issue I wasn't very taken with, but I don't know. I might read the second one just to see where it goes. Um, because I've been so enamored with all the other X-Men books. Um, and I'm really digging uh, the idea of inhumanity, but I, I, I haven't seen like the next wave of that. And I'm trying to get like... It's one of those weird like events that occurred, but then there's no like inhumanity book. Yeah, There was inhumanity number one or whatever with Karnak and he, ki- confi- and he dies. It, well, it's extra confusing that it just spin, spun out of Infinity, which was not yes. an interesting story. <laughs> so that... Ugh. Yeah, see, if you want us to hear, you want to hear us talking bad about Marvel, like well, yeah, the go. last two events, Age of Ultron and, and yeah, Infinity, farce. were just like no, we've we've talked about they it. They better have. Some, I hope whatever their 2015 event is is cooler than that. Well, it's got to be Avengers focused since it would be during the Avengers or well, in what's the this, wake of what's Avengers. this year's? Uh, well, oh right, 2014. That's the year ahead of us. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think. I mean, oh, I know the Watcher what, thing. Yeah. The Watcher apparently gets killed. It's written by, and it's a murder mystery. Mm. It's written by Jason Aaron, so mm. who I really like. So I'm up for that. Uh, <laughs> I am, except that it's one of those uh, cheap ways to like killing a dude, yeah, killing a seemingly impossible to hurt dude to show how tough this new thing is. And it's like, yeah, that was called onslaught. Well, and especially feel like by the end, the Watcher might not be dead. Yeah. 
But they've stopped using the Watcher. The Watcher's a dumb character anyway. Like, he... he Well, yeah, I've noticed, because I don't know what I've been reading a lot lately, but it's like, it used to be (laughs) that Watcher would only show up when something would grow up of great importance, and when the Watcher showed up, you knew, like, oh, man, shit's about to go down. Yeah. But... Like, I feel like I've seen the Watchers show up, like, every other month. Yeah. And it's still supposed to have this, like, gravity to it. And it's like, I don't, like, no. Like, the Watcher yeah. can, I know, I know that's actually his job is this section mm. of the universe. So it's like, I get why he's here more often than not. But it's also like, mm, yeah, he's, you can't have this many potentially, like, shifting the balance of everything like why would this cosmic being care what happens on this like, altering the course of earth's future yeah and i don't know well, or, or even the whole quadrant that he's watching yeah. or whatever it's like that really this this fight with thor and iron man is gonna well and just even when he was created it was like stan lee just going like a dude should show up to explain something here yeah. <laughs> this is really weird so he should show up but he should say i don't do anything and then I, he's like i must be impartial i can't help you the ultimate neutralizers over there. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, okay, well... Uh, uh, I don't think I've read... I've actually been reading on your recommendation, uh, The Squared Circle, The Professional Very Wrestling. Very good book, uh, yeah. I've been reading that every night, so uh, that's the only one I read in my comics. So. Very informative. Uh, I actually started, speaking of comic uh, wrestling books, I started reading... Uh, after I finished Squared Circle, I was like, I need to read another wrestling book. And I'd heard... Chris Jericho wrote several good ones, and so really? I am reading this uh, this one that's the, his first one that's the start of his career. It's up to the end of his WCW days, hmm. and it's uh, really neat because uh, I kind of am skipping around because I'm like, well, I don't care how he got started in Winnipeg, but it's it's he uh, the next the second chapter is like I go to Japan, and it's like his. Uh, reactions to being in Japan. He got to be a big star in Japan. Like, they really like him there. And so it was just so cool to read, like, his... Number one, I I just, as somebody who goes, who who enjoys going to Tokyo and telling people about how I went to Tokyo, (laughs) it was cool to read somebody else's reactions to it and stuff. And I... It's a really neat book, especially because I've just been wondering, you know what, if I could if I could kickstart a book, it would be to interview wrestlers but only about what their their thoughts are on performing in Japan and Japanese audiences because mm. I think it's so crazy to me that like a dude like Stan Hansen whose character is that he is a redneck cowboy who hits people too hard and that's why Japan loves him right that and that he doesn't speak in Japanese at all mm. at least in character that for his job he has like probably lived in Japan for a lot of the last twenty years. Hmm. So I mean, what what would that be like that you're such like a good old boy wrestler, football player who just to make the best money you can moves to as foreign a place as could be Japan. Right. And there's not I I'm guessing oh I mean there's there you could move to the sticks anywhere, but like yeah. I mean there's rural places everywhere, but it's like you couldn't quite I mean in twenty years you could lose touch with your the Texan roots there. Yeah, but also, like, how would you, like, he'd have to look, you'd figure he would learn the language if he lived there that long, even if he, you want to assume a... Well, Bart a, learned French in, like, a month, so... I, well, there was, you know, that was something I liked about being in Japan, was that I learned the tiniest smidgen of Japanese while I was there. I, uh, no, before I went. And then as I was there, I was like, oh, wow, this is, I am being reminded of it every second right, I'm here. Right. And it's, yeah, sumisen, sumisen. Ikura desu ka? Ikura desu ka? Uh-huh. Anyways, enough of this 
that bullshit. Uh, oh, there was a couple of news things I wanted to mention. All right, are we out of time? Maybe we should probably take a break. Oh, fine. All right, when we get back, some news that I really thought was cool, such as an old Ant-Man, and, uh, Ed Brubaker gets to do whatever he wants, Alan Moore is crazy, <laughs> and your replies to last, last, last week's question of the week. Hey, 98.6, it's good to have you back again, oh, hey, 98.6, her loving is the medicine that saves me. Hey everybody, welcome to the break. It's Henry Gilbert. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. No, I'm kidding. I tricked you. Yeah, so it's uh, the break time. It's where I thank you for listening, which I definitely thank you very much for listening. And if you would like to help out lasertimepodcast.com and keep all this uh, this flying high, I've got a lot of suggestions for you to do that. How many? Well, first, you can just donate and give us some money directly through PayPal. That's on <clears throat> That's on the left side of the website, lasertimepodcast.com. Below that is a link to a t-shirt store. You can buy a Laser Time t-shirt. Give us a little bit of money that way. Or on the right side, there's links to Amazon. You click on those, buy anything through those links. The little bit of money comes our way, helps keep greasing the wheels. There's also, on the right side, I believe it is, a link to the Laser Time Bandcamp page where you can buy the episode uh, commentaries to S.H.I.E.L.D. or the VG Empire Wintry Mix Special Notes. And then, also, if you would like to help us in a way that costs you no money, go on iTunes and be sure you're subscribing and review this episode or show, whatever. Give us five stars. I want more reviews. I love seeing new reviews. Please, you know, if you have yet to give us a review, do now. It really helps. Lastly, it's time for the Hank's Corner pick of the week. My voice is leaving me so quickly. But, um, uh, you know what? I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Kieran Gillian's the Young Avengers book is really, really good. The first volume, Style Greater Than Substance is the name of it. It is definitely written, like, people call it Tumblr bait, written for Tumblr. And I think that is a good thing. It reads like nothing else. Like, it reads super sped up. The, the young people talk what I think the... Uh, talk like what I think young people today maybe talk like. I don't know. But uh, it's a really good book. I like it a lot. Uh, there's a link to it on this week's episode to the first volume. You can pick it up through Amazon. Again, supporting the show. So, without further ado, back to the rest of the show. guys we're back on the second part hey uh so in the news section first up i wanted to talk about uh something that maybe didn't get they got missed but i thought it was really cool so image had image expo which now they're doing it almost like they're 
it's it's all, like their own Marvel panel where they just announce like a ton of new things all at once, including like a new book by Graham Morrison uh, and a lot of other small stuff, uh, smaller stuff. But the coolest thing I thought was that they signed a uh, a five year deal with Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, the guys who did Criminal. Yes, and which is and it's like they apparently have carte blanche. They can take. Whatever they have to image and image, like, yep, we'll publish that. Like, just they can publish, they can do whatever right. story they want. They don't have to sell a story to image. Mm. So, I think that's really good, and I like that. Uh, I, I just like that Brubaker is getting to do what he wants to do. And yeah. He's happy. And I, I miss him writing Marvel superheroes, but you could tell he was kind of burnt out for a while. Once Steve Rogers came back, I feel like his heart wasn't in it anymore. Yeah, I mean, he set up. That does I thought was cool is he tweeted uh, that picture of him standing in front of the Winter Soldier Captain America uh, standee. Yeah. Uh, that that is if you've been to a theater lately, it's it, I mean if you're depending on the size of the theater, but it's this big standee that has a Captain America shield that you can actually pose in front of. Oh, uh, that's cool. Or pose behind and then it's in front of you and you can kind of look like you're holding. And he tweeted a picture and it was like, you know, and the, there's a big the Winter Soldier above it and it was like. Which is kind of cool that it's 2014 and that story started in early, I feel early 04, mid, yeah, mid yeah. to late 04 maybe. Um, and that's just kind of cool seeing it, you know, 10 years later. The story that you helped, the status quo that you helped create is now mm-hmm. a multi-million dollar movie that's part of a billion dollar franchise. Probably will be um, do huge deal. Like, yeah, that he... And that's just kind of cool. Yeah, no, it is really cool. I love that he... That... And the Brubaker in this day and age, like Brubaker gets some recognition, like he can still, like Marvel isn't trying to bury who he is. Like everybody knows it's Brubaker that wrote it, and he can right. like sell his books as the creator of Winter Soldier. Right? Oh yeah. That's like true. I like that a lot, and and then he's not bitter about it too. It was funny that he said uh, in some tweets I saw people responded to him just like, "Well, so wait, you hate superhero comics now? Is that it?" And he's like. No, I just don't think I should be writing them anymore since I'm not feeling them. And I, and I bet once he's does non-superhero stuff for like five or seven years, right. he'll probably come back to superheroes in some form. Yeah. Maybe with his own creator on superheroes. I think he probably, if all he had in him was just one of the best runs on Captain yeah. America ever and one of the best runs on Daredevil yeah, ever. Yeah, those two alone. I think that's enough. Yeah. I think he could just kind of stop. Not to mention what he did with Criminal and Sleeper. Yeah. Was Sleeper him? No, that was him too, yeah. Yeah, all that stuff is great. And also, it was cool to read that like he he owns now all that the creator-owned stuff he did with Marvel. Like He doesn't have to co-publish it with Marvel. He can publish it with Image all he wants. I just think it's right. cool, too, that Image is just like, yeah, we're for the creators. Whatever you, you bring us something we want to publish, we will publish it, and it's all yours. You get to make all the money if it gets moved, turned into a TV show. I guess yeah. I, I like that about it. Um, looking at news, uh, I didn't realize. I thought this was a rumor. I didn't realize that actually was confirmed. But mm-hmm. Tom, Thomas Crutchman cast as Baron Strucker. Yeah, yeah, Baron von Strucker, the uh, head of Hydra, one of the many heads of Hydra. <laughs> ah, I get it. Yeah. Uh, but he, yeah, he's been cast for uh, Age of Ultron, which is. Kind of strange, which suggests to me so Hydra's going to build Ultron. <clears throat> well, Hollywood reporters learned the Dracula star Thomas Crutchman has been cast as a major villain, which they say is none other than Baron Wolfgang von Strucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I mean, maybe this is still not 100%. You better have a giant scar in one eye. It's like, they so, can change other stuff, but I want a giant scar in a single eye. So, it, it just, if this, is, if this is true, it really starts making you try to, like, piece everything together. You, yeah, that's and the it, problem it, with casting news like this. Yeah, and it stuff. sucks because you start thinking, like, wrestler, what, like, professional. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, if he wins this, then this got to do this. That's got to set up for this pay-per-view, and then they'll undo it in the next one. And you, you just start kind of ruining the magic for yourself. Yes. Because yeah. I just start thinking, like, okay, if, if that means Heads of Hydra, that means the Cap movie that's coming out probably has something to do with Hydra anyway. Since, set up Hydra some more since they were in the first Cap movie. They were movie. in the first Cap movie. It's a very Cap Shield thing, so I get it. Hydra has also been referenced in the Shield TV show. Yep. So this is all, like, okay, this this is all adding up. I bet Baron von Strucker is the um, stinger of Cap because the Cap stinger is the only terrestrial lead-in we have to Avengers 2. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if it is like... That has to set up Ultron to some to some degree. Yeah, you gotta figure. Because it, Guardians, it will be the last movie before Avengers, but that's gonna be in deep-ass space with Thanos and Nebula and yeah, all that crap Yeah, maybe they'll have on. like a... Uh, uh, they'll... They'll have like a video conference with Iron Man with Tony Stark at the end of it. Like, so that's what happened. Yeah. Oh no! They're invading Earth. This guy called Thanos is coming to you guys. Oh. Wow. Well, first we got to blow up this robot. Yeah. <laughs> it's just really weird that they've started this long story of cosmic stuff while they are still resolving what is clearly Hydra. And yeah, how you get? It's just uh, how is this all going to make it's sense? A lot of stuff because we all assume Ultron is going to be somehow tied to Iron Man, which means the AI or. Or Jarvis, or the dunce cap wearing arm yeah. thing. Like we don't know where Ultron's going to come from, but we know it's James Spader. Yeah. Like there's so many pieces that we have where it's like this is this. How does this all connect? And that'll be cool. To see. And that we know Infinity Gems are involved. Yeah. To some degree, it's a lot. That's so much. Well, and then you put on all, on top of all that. Oh, also that that character that actor had played the. I had seen him mention that he played a Nazi in Valkyrie. And so oh, they yeah. had shots of him dressed as a Nazi. And oh, nice. I was like, that's pretty much Strucker yeah. right there. And also, we, we did those commentary tracks for S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, yeah. com, everybody. Um, for the first five episodes. But then I watched up till the break. And then now that they've been back, apparently they set up Deathlock. That's what I'd heard. And yeah. Bill Paxton is now in the show. That's weird. And uh, I heard Blizzard was on. The yeah, and they set up Blizzard, which is also like a, a C or D rank villain. But it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you're getting into things I care about. I only I had a Blizzard toy, and it only I, I only too. heard of him because of the Iron Man. Cartoon. Yeah, Iron Man cartoon. Yeah, I get him and Avalanche confused a lot. Uh, yeah, no, Blizzard's all white and yeah. he was white and blue. I had a figure of him at Radar on the show. You know, we have those shelves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, for all I know, that figure's still there because that's something I would have left there. Yeah, you would have been like, man. Eh, so this. maybe he's over there. Who knows? He might have been thrown away. Uh, and then also, uh, Johnny Depp and Hurley talks for Doctor Strange, which is a that rumor. total he, rumor. He almost seems too famous to be him, really. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, not almost. He is. He is. Probably the top five most famous men on Earth. However, I feel like of all the Marvel characters, that's the one mm. he might be inclined to do because it's like that's going to let him be the personality. And I do think of the... Here's my problem with it, or not a problem. We always... I complain too much. I know this. but So here, here's a shortcoming I think that might happen is that I... When I think of Doctor Strange, he's definitely smart and, and, uh, and weird and charismatic all those are all things that johnny depp can play well right. i think but 
He's also got this, uh, I guess you could say bedside manner, but like a friendliness. Like he, or at least an openness of like, so what's going on? Or what seems to be the trouble? And I I don't see Johnny Depp being that inviting of a guy. Mm. Uh, It's just like, well, what about this? Also, just that it seems weird to me because... Marvel doesn't like to get the biggest star. Yeah, they like to get a, someone who's about to break. Yeah, even RDJ is the biggest star they ever had, and he was still well. He wasn't a wa- He wasn't. He had been rebuilding himself. He wasn't washed up when Iron Man came out, but he was not who he was after. Well, Iron, Iron Man, Man did it. Yeah, Iron like, Man was the thing. Yeah, it was. A, I think it was a one-two punch of Iron Man and uh, Tropic Thunder. Yeah, Amy. yeah, those two together, and then the movie with uh, Jamie Foxx. Oh, yes. The piano Ooh. or whatever piano playing dude. Yeah. Ooh. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, but yeah. I, so and and I think he's too much money. Like he what he got he got paid like forty million dollars to do the fucking pirates. Like yeah. So that's why like yeah Marvel notoriously will not pay you that much. They're they're to, known for being cheap. But yeah. I liked better. I had the the dream or rumor casting I liked better was. Um, Oh, crap. Aragorn. The actor who played Aragorn. Oh, yeah. Viggo Mortensen? Vigo, Vigo, yeah. I think he would have done a good... He could do a good job. Could? I could see that. He's aged into it, too. Yeah, and he's definitely that, like... He's not... He's, he's not uh, He's not a huge guy. He's, yeah, not a huge guy. He could grow a cool mustache. Yeah. He's been known... He's been known to have mustache. He better have a mustache. I know superheroes don't normally have mustaches, but uh, in movies... Well, goatee on that. Right. Iron Man. They had to change it to a goatee from him. He had a mustache for so many years. They're like yeah. mustaches aren't cool, man. Right. This guy's got to have a goatee. Well, and then lastly, Michael Douglas. Yep. As Hank Pym. Yep. That's weird. I, you know, I had been hoping that Ant Man would be Hank Pym. The, the that Paul Rudd would be Hank Pym. But I see now that it's a more interesting story. The Scott Lang origin, if you know it, which I didn't really. Even until I had to be reminded of it with his stuff. So in the comics, like Hank Pym creates Pym particles, becomes Ant Man, founds the Avengers, founds the Avengers. But he's actually he becomes Giant Man pretty quick, very yeah. quickly. Like he doesn't spend much time as Ant Man in his career. Like he and then he's Yellow Jacket and Yellow Jacket. And he was Wasp for a while. Also Goliath. He Goliath. was Goliath and oh, and Private Citizen Hank Pym. Yeah, like he had been all these things. He's not really Ant Man. Well, meanwhile Scott Lang was Ant Man for a couple decades, and so and his story of that he uh, stole the Ant Man costume to be a bat, to be a crook, but to help his daughter. Mm. That's you know dramatically interesting. That's Cassie a, Lang. Cassie Lang grew up to be stature. Who then died? Who? Oh yeah, forgot about that. But that he, but yeah, that's a better origin than just like I'm a scientist right. and now I want to mm-hmm. be an Ant Man. Yeah, <laughs> and that he can be like this mentor figure to him, which I think is an interesting dynamic they don't really have in the other movies. Yeah, it's also weird. Like this will be just a matter of weeks after Avengers Two. Like, yeah, it is like, kind of strange. Super weird. It makes you think Douglas will be in Avengers Two. It's in some form. Again, with Ultron in it, it's just weird to not have a Pym involved. Yeah, like well, you, you know, I agree that it's not crucial to have Pym involved with the creation of Ultron. You can get the same basic motivation for that character without mm-hmm. Pym, but it's like they are very tied together. Yeah, he could just be a background player in it or part of the group anyway. But yeah. but now that Hank Pym is not the main character of the film, like you could make him guilty of creating Ultron, and True. it's not as damning as it would be to have like. This guy makes Ultron, and now he stars in a motion picture. His own movie. Yeah, that's true. 
But also Edgar Wright just rules. Like I, yeah. I trust him yep. with a lot of stuff. And Paul Rudd is awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, this Paul film Rudd. is looking great. Yeah, it's definitely got... I mean, all of them. There's still not one of them that I'm like, uh-oh. Guardians yeah. is still the one that's a giant question mark, but I'm like... It I, sounds awesome to us. I have no reason to doubt this yet, but, I mean, it could... Like, it's the only one that I'm, like, really... Uh, I like everything I've heard. I'm still very, like, question that it can come together. It's a weird... Because that's a... Oh, the idea that they got around to a Guardians of the Galaxy before a Doctor Strange movie or before an actual, like, real Daredevil movie or... Yeah, like, it is weird. I mean, it, or an Iron Fist even. It's like there's so many things that are cheaper and easier and more popular. And they went with that. And it's like, okay. Yeah, that is... It is strange. But, I mean, Ant-Man is like... He is... He's a B tier. He is oh yeah, guy. the fact like, that we've got to Ant Man also says a lot. Uh, well, it says that Marvel doesn't own the rights to X Men, Fantastic Four, <laughs> Spider Man, so they got to dig a little bit deeper. That's yeah, there it is. Uh, they want to stick with their. They want to. It seems like Stanley characters, the Silver Age characters, go first. Once they're done with well, they all the Silver have, Age characters, and they have Hulk, so it's like, where, where does Hulk fit in? Hulk's got to get a movie soon. Like you yeah. got to figure in Phase Three, there's a Hulk movie. Probably, yeah. There's even be. though Hulk works best on a team. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll do. Maybe it's actually a well, team up movie. Yeah. Maybe that's the first genuine team up movie. Is it's Hulk and someone else? That could work. Yeah. Or Hulk, or they could use Hulk to introduce another hero. Like their first movie would be mm. Hulk versus this guy. Oh yeah. So who would that be? I don't know. They're run. It's like we said. It's, it's getting a little thin. They, I mean, they've got like they do have Ghost Rider back. They have the Punisher oh, yeah. back. They could do those guys. Oh yeah. But uh, but yeah. So you know, there's one other piece of news I wanted to mention, which was nuts. Which was Alan Moore gave his final oh, interview. Yeah. Which I don't know if you read that. I read. I tried. It was. It is massive. It was like seven hundred thousand words long. It was. I think it le- legitimately was like ten like ten thousand words. Like. It was so long. And the guy asked him four questions. <laughs> and these were his responses to him. They were... I was very interested in reading it because they were four questions that I wanted right. him to answer to, which was, why don't you think using the... E, I, I'm afraid to even say this word out loud, even though it's not something in America that is a, too much of a slur, but they asked him, why would you use the, quote, gollywog character, mm-hmm. unquote, in The Extraordinary Gentleman? Right. And then second, why are there so many, like, rape or threatened rape scenes in your books? Yeah. And his defense of the first one was just like, oh, no, we're going back to the roots of the character when he was first introduced. He was not made to be a racist depiction of black people. Mm -hmm. It was just uh, this crazy character, Mm -hmm. but who looked like this, so we were drawing him right. But don't think I'm some, like old conservative who wants things right. to like why can't we make these as toys again i was like <laughs> i don't know i i wasn't totally sold on that i was like well but he seemed pretty bad in his appearance like the way he was talking that is true to his character i was like no this character was racist when he was first created yeah i don't know enough about either of them so no i i barely know a smidgen but well throughout the whole thing like alan moore was coming off as very smart at least like he He's a very well spo- I mean, he's a, one of the best writers of his generation. Sure. So even when he's saying things you don't agree with, like he says them very well. He makes what sound like well-reasoned arguments, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, I mean, 
You didn't come you, to this decision lightly, I can yeah. tell. So fair and enough. And then you stand back to them and go like, well, wait, I don't know. Like, well, yeah, with the rape thing, it was just That was like, the one I had the most trouble with. It was just like, well, when you say relatively, when you know, uh, it's just like, let's define the word relative. Oh, here we go. Yeah. And I, and I can just say, as someone who's read his books a lot, has it been, is it every storyline? No. But if you were to own collections of works of his, I would bet in more than half of them there is a scene of sexual violence or uh, or the threat of sexual violence once, at least once in them. Yeah. And you especially think back to the From Hell book he did, which is about Jack the Ripper that is about a guy that murders prostitutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, and, and then he's like, well, I'm just... You think his defense would be like, "Well, this is what happened." And I was like, "But you chose to write this. Yeah. Like, you're being true to the history, but the history you that somehow interested you in writing it." Yeah. And so, yeah, it was just I always and, felt he could get too mean to women in his books. Like his defense was like, "Oh, you know, nobody cares about murder. All the right. Murder I have it's in like, my book. yeah, if you look how many murders were in England." And then how many rapes? It's like there's way more sexual assault, but that thing. And how underreported it is. But it's underreported. It's swept under the rug. It's taboo to even discuss. It's like everything about this is this, that, whatever, whereas murders are, you know, far fewer. But then if you look at our media that we consume, violence is far more prevalent. Murders are far more prevalent. Graphic violence is far more prevalent. But then any kind of sexual violence, even though the real world is flipped comic books are the other way and he's just like well I'm just you know I'm just being true more 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 realistic in what's actually happening in the world and it's mm. like um maybe but it's still like does 50% of the stories you tell involve that like it's yeah, just a weird that's thing just a, yeah I I think there are some people who are of the opinion that that should that sexual violence should never be depicted for like all the baggage that's attached to it and what it can what it can do to a survivor of that and all that. And, and to say that it should never be there, I, I don't agree with that idea. I think there are... Yeah, that's too far. Because it's like... I mean, it's the same thing. Like a, a war movie for someone who's actually been in a war. For anyone who actually fought through World War II or Korea or Vietnam mm-hmm. and is like... Then goes to see a movie and it triggers all these intense feelings. It's like... That's very real and very traumatic. And it like... Generations lost to that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like... you. Some people find it therapeutic. Some people find it traumatizing and wish they'd never seen it. Like, mm-hmm. you can't know, and then you can't censor an entire art form. It just means you got to, if you're going to use it, you got to use it right. You and better be able to defend Yeah, yeah, it. you better be able to back it up. It's not, it's not that you that can never depict Alan a rape. It's, doing, like, yeah, and he's trying, and it's like, that's fair enough. It's yeah. like, if you're going to do it, you got to be ready to defend it and explain, if asked, like, here's why I felt very strongly that this had to be in here. Mm-hmm. Not because I thought it was hot. Uh, yeah. or, or because I thought it was controversial. Yeah, what I'm not saying is what he does. I'm just like... But when it appears so often, you're like, yeah. it just seems like you have an obsession with it, you know? I, I don't know. Compared but, to also to any other... I mean, I guess he also was then started throwing other authors under the bus by it. Like, yeah. well, why don't other writers ever have it? And you're like, because they're children. Yeah. It seemed, they, to, seemed to be his... Oh, no. His whole defense was just like... Well, then he also said, the guy who brought this up mm. is is an admitted Batman expert and clearly he's just some man child who loves comic books as superheroes that wants to hate on me for saying I hate superheroes but he doesn't want to use that so he just says oh he he's doing it he's taking it from the this angle instead 
Like, uh, maybe. He just, who was it that he said? Uh, just this fan who, like, tweeted and said he I was I thought there was another writer that he was talking oh, about. Oh, he also, he hates Alan Moore. <laughs> no. or, uh, Graham Morrison. Graham Alan Morrison. Moore hates Graham Morrison. Sorry. Yeah, it, I didn't know this. Like, it's... It was shocking to find out, really, that he hated him so much. Like, I've been reading both of them for over 20 years. And so, to think that all this time they've had this feud going on that I didn't even realize. And it's just so, like, Alan Moore is very funny in his hatred of Grant Morrison. (laughs) But it's also, like, very unfounded that he's just like, Grant Morrison rips off everything I do. Hmm. And that (coughs) Grant Morrison never just... Discovered his his own voice or style or his own talent, and he's garbage. And I was just like, "Jeez, well, he isn't like categorical." <laughs> like, uh, well, I just was like, uh, Henry Gilbert." Maybe you don't like Graham Morrison as a person, or but from reading his books, like I, in my opinion, he has talent and a distinct voice, and he does things that Alan Moore wouldn't do. Mm. And then Alan Moore was just like. Yeah, he did have a really funny bit where he said, he's ripped me off so much that I think that when I die, he will then doc- He will then die. And then doctor evidence to show that he had died several years before I. But then I read, pretty Grant, good. Grant Morrison had a rebuttal to him, which instead of just throw, saying how much he hates and detests Alan Moore, he was just like, no, these this story Alan Moore is saying is wrong. Like he, he acts like I was an aspiring writer when I met him the first time, and I had been in the business a year. I had been. He said that he had been professionally published a year before Alan Moore was, and that he they were contemporaries. But Alan Moore, he he basically paints Alan Moore as, as a very egotistical guy who sees everyone as beneath him and everyone. as ripping off his ideas from the eighties, and it's just well, that seems more in line with. What I've heard, I guess. Yeah, he just he does seem very egotistical. Which is I bad. speaking of Al Moore over the Christmas break, uh, I just somehow ended up watching LXG. Ugh. Uh, I saw it in the theater, and well, I think it was oh three or oh four, uh-huh. and I it was just on TV. It was like it was like BBC America was showing a marathon of like Star Trek, and it was and Star Trek was ending, <laughs> and I was like. And it just came on. And I was gonna go hang out with some friends, and I then I just decided not to, and then I'm just like. 20 minutes in, I'm like, I'm actually going to end up watching this, aren't I? Because it's, it's Christmas, it's cold, I'm home, uh-huh. it's just like, ah, you know, I ate, I'm full, it's, it's so warm here. I'll, and then I got like 30 minutes into the movie, and I'm like, I don't hate this. Oh, like, yeah? Yeah, because I was like, that scene was all right, this is fine, this looks okay, and they're introducing the characters, and okay. And Granted, uh-huh. I don't know the comics. All I saw was what they changed from the comics, so it was hard. So yeah, and, like I, I had no basis for like why this was bad or good, but it was like the first 20, 30 minutes, even maybe 45, I was like, okay, they're just setting up a big like problem, got it. Mm-hmm. And then the last, yeah, like... The last half of the movie was just like all of this crumbling apart, and I'm like, "This is now completely ridiculous. <laughs> this is dumb." They clearly had no ending in mind, and yeah. yeah, it's just bad, and I'm over it. But I watched the whole damn thing, and I went ten years without watching it again. Wow. Well, so Elmore ended his article or his interview just by saying, "I spoke this much because this is the last real interview I think I will ever do because I'm sick of talking about this." I mean, but I figured I would. 
Get it all out now. Which is and nice. And my last words on it. Which is nice. I want to believe it's his last one. I, I hope he just lets his work speak for himself. Did Was one of the questions, what did you think of the second Watchmen books? No. No, he just, he, he'd already been asked about that yeah. and said, that's where this kind of all began, where he said something to the effect of like, oh, they say that top flight talent is going to work on these mm-hmm. prequels. Well, this, I don't think the industry has top flight talent let alone middle or even low-flight talent. Good God. If they had any talent, they'd be making ideas of their own, wouldn't they? They wouldn't just be redoing something I did 25 years ago, which I reply like, they are doing a bunch... Like, every comic isn't before Watchmen. (laughs) If you're even, like, every comic that is inspired by what he did is just a few... Like, and that was one of Grant Morrison's best rebuttals that, like, that Alan Moore hates... Jeff Johns because he said mm-hmm. what Jeff Johns did do is that he took a short story Alan Moore did about Grant, about Green Lantern and expanded upon that and used it as a starting point for a lot of stories mm-hmm. and he was like god this guy Jeff Johns can't think of his own ideas has to rip off my old stories and then Grant Morrison rightly points out that that specific story that Alan Moore is talking about was one that he wrote because it was based on a plot hole that was in an old in an old Green Lantern comic. Mm. Like he was, mm. Alan Moore was only expanding on what he had before him. And that's what Johns is doing now. Right. Well, when you, anytime you take the reins of a character who's older than you are, yeah. it's like, yeah, you can't, yeah, you're not going to get around that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, and at the end, this is why the question of the week is what it is going to be, which is, um, in the end, Alan Moore says that he had been anno- avoiding talking about Graham Morrison as much as possible because he hates him so much. But this was when he was finally like, you know what, you vile turd, I'll finally <laughs> talk about you. And he said at the end, like, so if anyone who is a, a friend or an associate of Grant Morrison, do not ever talk to me. I do not want to know you. Wow. And, he's, and then he also said, and if, I, if you read Grant Morrison books, please do not read my books. I would hate that my readership would be clogged with people who like that festering sore of a man. God, I was yeah. like, "Wow, you're you're really a grumpy old man now, Helen Moore." Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't his attitude be more like, "Please read mine and see a real <laughs> writer at work." It's like nah, the he's... idea that you would want to curl up and like I, when you have that kind of elitist attitude, it's normally like, it's like him or me. Yeah, I, I don't know. Whatever. It's not cool. So he's gonna send himself in, up to the moon. What's he doing? Well, he just does and like then, one comic every two years now. And like Bill Watterson are gonna go get a cabin together. No, he still works. Like he still does stuff and puts stuff. I just put out a comic last year, but uh, eh. but yeah, it it brings me down. It brings me down to see this guy this way. So the question of the week for this week is: If you like you. <laughs> You have to pick sides. Alan Moore or Grant Morrison. And by picking a side, that means you could never read the work of the other person and your experience of having read that stuff will be gone. Like you will you will have never read the works of them. So no future works and you will have lost any experience you had reading their past stuff. So which would you choose in that case, knowing what you know now? And that's a really hard one for me. Because I love Grant Morrison's work on JLA, Doom Patrol, The New X-Men, and The Invisibles is one of my favorite comics of all time, but 
It's not Watchmen. It's not V for Vendetta. It's not Swamp Thing. Mm. It's not League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And it is not Promethea or Tom Strong. And so, despite what a grumpy, grouchy <laughs> asshole Alan Moore I just Moore love that, that entire 20 minutes on what a grumpy asshole he is. I still choose him over Grant Morrison. <laughs> if this is... Well, that's what I'm saying. Purely based on work. The yes. work they have produced or their names are attached to. Yeah. Of their total library, I would rather keep Alan Moore's. I mean, I have to agree, only because I don't know any Grant Morrison stories. You read New X-Men. I read Planet X and Here Comes Tomorrow. Those were his stuff. Those were the last of his stuff. I know, and you I... You should have read it's the start of his stuff. I know, but I You'll didn't. get to it someday. If, yeah, if it's on maybe. Marvel Unlimited, maybe. Yeah. I yeah. Uh, is that the Frank Quitley era? Uh, quietly? Yeah, Quietly. They, they're collaborators. Ugh, I don't like his art. Well, I know I'm in the minority, but whatever. You're not gonna like uh, <laughs> you're not gonna like a lot of Grant Morrison stuff then because they work together a lot. Wait, but did he do Superman? You read all seasons? He, he, All Star. He oh. did All Star, not All Seasons. I just lo- Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. He also worked with Frank Quietly on uh, We Three. You read We Three, didn't you? I think the I did. Cyborg Pets. I think the I military have... cyborg pets. I saw. That's in that era where I read, like, no Marvel or DC for, like, a year, uh-huh. and I don't remember a single thing I read. I think I was going to lend it to you, but our old boss, Eric Bratcher, was a big fan of it, too, and I think he had lent it to you. God damn it. I don't remember. Like, I read so many things that I'm like, I don't... All I, right. Like, I read Wanted, like, so many years ago, and then I'm like, then they made him... By the time they got around to making the movie, I forgot <laughs> yeah. I ever read the comic. <laughs> and, I, like, ugh. My retention is terrible for this stuff. Jeez. Uh, but meanwhile, I love Swamp Thing. That's yep. inc- I love it. Uh, and Watchmen. And, and Watchmen. So yeah, you should, man, his, his ABC books, America's Best Comic Books, are so good. Uh, but okay, well, so, so All-Star Superman I keep hearing is really good. Oh yeah, but it's quietly. So I mean, I could get over it if it's a good it's story. Great. I think that's what I would say. Alan Moore used to be the guy who could say, I wrote the best Superman comics ever, which were uh, for, for the man who has everything, the one where Mondal puts him in his dream world and then uh the last superman story called whatever happened to the man of tomorrow those two were the best superman stories of all time widely regarded as Mm. but all-star has replaced them to me that i think it is the ultimate superman story those 12 issues yeah well i'll go read this they're really great i will do this so so yeah in Uh, the i'll report back in seven weeks when i've read it in the comments for this week's episode uh no that's not where you put it. I'm sorry. In the forum, in the forum post for this week's question, say which side you would pick, Grant or Alan, and who you would choose, and if you could only keep one of them in your memories. And we will read our favorite ones uh, next week's episode. Now your responses to the previous one. Question number 75. What 2014 comic are you looking to forward to the most? Though, uh, one problem i realized with this that i'm so used to in in our in our real life jobs the uh, video games games are announced so far out that it's really easy to be like yeah the 2014 games i'm excited for but comic books are a lot typically a lot quicker to put together and so something that will come out at the end of this year might not even be like thought of something comes out in november might not even be thought of till like june you know, occasionally. I mean, they definitely not announced like kind of like games where a year, you know, nine to twelve months. But uh, yeah, I feel like we know at least three to six sometimes. Yeah. Well, here's a few of them right now. Uh, Cooper was the first to respond all the way back last year when I first posted this. 
Uh, and he said, if Brian Lee O'Malley finally releases Seconds, his follow-up to Scott Pilgrim, I'll be all over that. And I didn't even know there was a follow-up to Scott Pilgrim in the work, though. I didn't either. Brian Lee O'Malley hasn't done something in such a long time that it's about, about time that he put out something new. Uh, then uh, Zeppeli? Zeppeli? Yeah. No, Zeppeli. That was his name. No? Zepaw. God, I'm so, I suck. Sorry. Zepaw. He wrote Loki, Agent of Asgard, which uh, I think is pretty cool. They've So Kid Loki is going to be gone. Now he's going to be like Teen Loki instead. And there is a... This reminds me of a funny uh, thing I read online that in the most recent... In the final issue of Young Avengers... Which was Young Avengers was at first famous for just having the two gay teammates who were a couple, yep. like Hulkling and Wiccan, mm-hmm. and then they added like another gay teammate to the team, and then a couple others who said like oh, I'm bisexual, and then and then Loki. Now that he's a teen, he's like, well, yeah, I'm I'm a god. We don't have sexualities, and and actually, I'm kind of famous for <laughs> I'm kind of famous in mythology for having sex with anything that moves. <laughs> And so then at the end of the issue, um, the uh, Hawkeye, Kate Hawkeye, yeah. who's a member of the team, he's talking to everybody goes, and then realizes, like, wait, am I the only member of this team that's straight? <laughs> it was just such a funny idea, like, the token straight member yeah, of the Young Avengers. I, I thought it was funny. Was that in the... Because I read it, all the... It was only 13 issues, I felt like, originally, and then it was canceled, yeah. and then... That was the Alan Heinberg years. Yeah, that was got, great. And it had, like, basically uh, another season that was uh, called Children's Crusade. Which, I read all that, too. And But that was kind of the end of him on the book. Jim so, Chung? How do you, uh, Jim Chung? Yeah, yeah. He, he did the art. That artist is so, that art is so good. He, yeah, yeah. But so then Kieran Gillian took over. Oh, there's a new Young Avengers from, like, a year ago or something? And now that's over. Okay. That's, the one, was, good book. that's the one where Kate's the only straight person. Yeah. The okay. it's it's where it got extra gay, okay. Which is funny to me because I think I don't think I don't know if Kieran Gillian is gay, but Alan Heinberg is. So it's it would be funny to me that if the straight guy who write, writing the book made him more gay. <laughs> uh, all right, let's see here. Uh, we've got Super Giraffe brought up. Uh, there's a black. There's a new Black Widow series coming out. I saw that, which uh, I bet you'll be interested in. I just started reading one from a couple years ago that I was. Mm-hmm. It was on sale, so I'm trying to finish that before I jump into the new one. I do like Black Widow, though. He also brings up uh, Miss Marvel, which is a reboot of Miss Marvel, but as a new character who is Arab American, hmm. so a pretty uh, a woman. Yeah. How well, does she get those powers? I don't know. It's somehow connected to Captain Marvel, but mm. uh, the former Miss Marvel. Uh, he also brings up Silver Surfer, which is high, 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 high on my list. I love Silver Surfer, even though he is stupid and is rarely written well. Mm. But he's I do love Silver <clears throat> Surfer. So Dan Slott writing Silver Surfer with Mike Allred, like one of my favorite artists doing the art. Like When does that start? I believe March, March or April. I will read very that. Very soon. And uh, then he also, and lastly he brings up... Um, Kelly Sue DeConnick, who is great. She writes Captain Marvel, and uh, she wrote a, a run of the Avengers. And she's doing a creator-owned book called Pretty Deadly, which I really liked. I read the first issue, only the first issue. And that she's doing a new book called Bitch Planet, which <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That sounds mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, what, but what's on this Bitch Planet? Mm-hmm. 
I'm afraid to jokingly reply to that. Uh-huh, and where, what? No, I, I, can't, I, can't, I guess I can't keep going with it. Mm, so, <clears throat> let's see here. Oh, here's a good one. Uh, White Steve Harvey. I heard from a friend that James Rhodes is going to be the Iron Patriot in his own series, so that sounds interesting. I like the sound of that, too, that the James Rhodes finally getting uh, roadie, as he's sometimes called, that he's finally getting his own series again. I like the sound of that. Uh, let's see here. J.J.B. Sterling brings up the New Warriors book with Scarlet Spider in it, which I, I am excited for as well. Who else is on the team? Night Thrasher? Um, I think some of the... Name Marita, I definitely saw her. Really? There. I think so, yeah. I was about to say her as a joke. <laughs> no. <laughs> Name Marita's no joke. Come on. She saved those people in Infinity Gauntlet number two. Yeah, the, the two people in... in <laughs> yeah, like Atlanta uh, or wherever Yeah, yeah. One that... Oh, God, I remember, too, that right afterwards was a page of... Thor going like I can confirm that the country of Japan is gone. Yeah, like, it's, it's just, just like flying over the ocean with seagulls everywhere, and he's yeah. like, "Tell Fury, Japan's gone." <laughs> so dark, <laughs> and it actually felt like not like maybe it was because I was young enough to when I read it, I was like, "Oh God, this is how it is now." But now you grow up and you're like, "No, they have the they have the magic. They have a the the magic doodad to undo all of this is in the title." Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they have a they have an infinity gauntlet that can do anything. Yeah. Hmm, I wonder if these if half the universe will stay dead. Yeah, but it's still it's 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 like uh, it's the journey. Yeah, which is why the modern things like uh, <coughs> uh, Infinity and Age of Ultron were like so. The journey was confusing and overwritten and meaningless, and then ultimately it was meaningless, yes. and then set up a thing that wasn't even part of what you were doing. It's yeah. like this. So I. Yeah. So as I read things like Inferno and Infinity Gauntlet again, I'm like, man, these are like on message, on point. Every issue furthers something, and I feel even reading crap like Onslaught, where I was uh, like, every issue was still servicing something and moving this forward. And convoluted and silly as it may be, it's still like I can follow this, and I don't feel gypped when I'm done. I felt like I read a yeah. story that had a beginning, middle, and end. And anyway, it had a cool fight. Yeah, and there was cool fights all the time. Uh, let's see. Oh. This, uh, let's see, Michael Grimm is Elite brings <laughs> up uh, an Avengers Star Wars miniseries, which does remind me the uh, the other news that Dark Horse is losing the Star Wars. Yep. Uh, it's losing Star Wars, which we kind of all, pre- I certainly predicted when once Disney, once Marvel and Star Wars are under the same roof, yeah. they're not going to let Dark Horse publish. Yeah. Star- once their contract's up, they're taking back Star Wars. And it turns out, contract's up at some point this year in 2014. So too bad for Dark Horse because they've been doing very good Star Wars books from what I heard for like twenty years or yeah, twenty five years or and that I saw they did a recent panel in one of their books where somebody had joined the Empire and she she was like this new uh, officer and she was talking about her background it was like one of those you know internal monologues you get in any comic that says there lets you know why they are doing what they do right and so the main character is this. Uh, is an Empire officer, and she says, like, you know what? I had friends who were on the Death Star. So, like a lot of people, that's why I joined. I was mm. like, oh, this is 9-11. Like, <laughs> the Death Star for the Empire was 9-11. Wow. Which, uh, you know, you think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying I've joined the Taliban. That is what I'm saying. <laughs> Confirmed at last. Uh, and lastly, Yoshi Ate My Baby. Uh, 
brought up, uh, can't wait for more issues of Afterlife with Archie. And then what I forgot about was the next DC animated movie is Justice League War, which is like based on the new 52, and it looks really cool. And uh, Man, that's a Marvel title. Put, yeah, put war in there. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's a, they get cri- DC gets crisis. Marvel gets war. Yeah, Marvel gets war. Should be and, Justice League crisis. I'm but, sorry. Instead, just simply war. Yeah. But the DC animated movies are great when, yeah, I, when I've watched them. I, I just haven't gone out of my way to get them. But most of them seem to come to Netflix like, yeah, I like watched, Clockwork like I watched, just a year later. I watched Doom. I thought that was pretty good. I thought Doom was really good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, thanks a lot for all those questions uh, or for the responses to the question. And now we're back on, hopefully on a regularly scheduled weekly question thing, which I remind you again: Alan Moore versus Graham Morrison. Who would you choose? Yeah, let us know. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So I guess that's it. And uh, I let's do the plugs. I uh, I'll take up uh, the mantle for Chris to say. Listen to Laser Time. We recorded a lot of good episodes of Laser Time uh, over the weekend. The first one that uh, posted, The Wolf of Smog Street, where we're catching up on what we all did during the holidays. And actually, if you may remember, I talked about uh, uh, my parents going to trivia, me going to trivia with my parents. And I heard from one of our users, I don't know if I should name him, but he replied to me of like, Hey, I know that trivia guy. He lives in Jacksonville. He's like, I know that trivia guy. Oh, wow. He's not cool. Oh, that's so great. Like, wow. So, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. And uh, and we got a lot of other cool ones coming up, too. And we recorded a new cheap podcast that I'm on. I'm always on it. Where you talk about We're the both w- on it. Yeah. We, well, and we talk about the WWE Network. Yep. And uh, what else, Brett? Uh, well, I do VG Empire, a video game music podcast. Um, we just posted the Parappa the Rapper episode, which also oh has boy. Uh, Um Jammer Lammy songs, Parappa um, 1 and 2, and then, uh, I mean, last year we did a bunch. I mean, it's pretty much every other week, so we're mm-hmm. up to episode 50, 61. There's uh, quite a backlog. Quite a backlog, vgempire.com, uh, or on iTunes, on Twitter. All that good stuff, and unlike this show, it is not topical. So they, I think they, they yeah, age really well. They're very, yeah, they're very. Um, they're meant yeah. to be the final word. Um, well, certainly not that, but okay. they're definitely evergreen. Like, yes. I, and, and I, I, because I love game music so much, I definitely every anytime I fly, I always put at least one episode on because <laughs> I like listening to it. Just because I don't remember what I said most of the time, and I don't remember what all you guys said, mm-hmm. but I remember. Oh man, I love the music to that game. So I'll listen to it and be like, oh yeah, that's why I put the show together. And then I'll be <laughs> listening to it like, man. Hope I said that. Oh, I did. It's like a gift you give yourself. It is. It really is at this point. I've uh, done that. I also would plug uh, really quick on lasertime.bandcamp.com. Yeah. Uh, the wintry mix episode, which is all about snow levels and ice levels. And, and the shield. Uh, shield commentaries. Shield commentaries. And I guess at some point we're going to have uh, a uh, I guess movie commentaries. Yeah, I guess I could there. put that on there at some point. At some point. Yeah. Let's not rush ourselves. Yeah. I have done that before. Uh, just fun, one, one little funny story is that. I've done that before where I've listened to, I listen to podcasts with you guys on it. And I am responding like I wish I was there. Where I was uh, like, what about this? In my head. I'm not, I'm not talking out loud. Oh, I do all the time. But, uh, but then when I've listened to ones where I'm on with you guys and I forget what I say, I say the thing that I, I think the thing I'm about to say are like, hey, yeah, why don't they bring up this? And then I say on the recording... Guys, I think you forgot to bring up uh, this. Man, it's so weird. When I listen to myself, I'm like, I don't remember that conversation. <laughs> As the dude with the memory and the date master and all that stuff, it's like, you said that. Did I? 
<laughs> okay. Don't I don't quote know. Me. I, I don't know why I have like such a poor retention of, of things I do and say and read. Mm-hmm. But then ask me what day it was. Oh boy. All right, so that's it. We've gone a little bit long, but uh, it's been a fun episode, guys. So until next time, Excelsior. Excelsior.